life on the road. It's bees, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and bees, fights, candle flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon. Right here, just check, check, check one. Check, check one, check, two, three. Uh, these are great chairs, Murray. Yeah, really. I know. Oh. <laughs> Snapping my back. Wow. I, I got to upgrade the chairs. Mary, wow, this podcast is doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're ranked right after Marin and, and, and Adam Carolla. Oh. <laughs> Murray, do you have insurance? <laughs> I know I got to get the new chairs. Uh, they all kind of broke and everything. Uh, like that. That, you know, that, uh, talk about helplessness, man, is uh, that earthquake. Like, oh, yeah. You just have that moment of just there's nothing you can do to stop this there's nothing sure. you can do absolutely and it's scary because it's funny because my wife has different theories she read somewhere that if you you basically if it's if it's really big you won't have time to get to anybody right. so teach the kids as well as yourself if you're on the bed just go like go under the bed put the pillow over your head mm-hmm. so if anything breaks I think and she's trying the, to kill you yeah, <laughs> and suffocate the guy no but she said you're supposed to go under the sheets under the blankets put the pillow over your head so if things are breaking around you like you don't get cut at least mm-hmm. right. but I've grown up in California and I always they always told us get under a desk or get under the doorway mm-hmm. right. and I feel like there's all kinds My of different theories like, get out of the house yeah and he's like no for good <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that seems like the right thing to do just go into open field yeah just get I, away from anything like yeah, yeah like ba- away from buildings and stuff yeah. I, I heard you go in a doorway you're supposed to go in doorway that's what i know or but under we, a desk too. or under a desk but now we have different theories going on in the house and it's like and then you go online to look and there's like 20 different theories my theory is they got to tell you something because uh, all my relatives live in bozeman montana and it's big bear country yeah and every time i go there it's cha- it changes if you get attacked by a bear the whole thing changes and like play like, dead or not oh yeah, yeah now like the don't, um, now that don't play dead doesn't yeah. work yeah. So. Eat, a, eat a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so my theory is they just have to tell you something to cover their own ass uh, recite gone with the wind <laughs> <laughs> bears are scared of that Hey, thanks for tuning in the Road Stories podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Murray Valeriano, uh, part of the All Things Comedy Network. Uh, in the spotlight this week, the Road Stories podcast with Murray Valeriano. I've been plugging everybody else's, now I get to plug mine. Look awesome. at that. Yeah. Um, so check that show out. <laughs> Beautiful day in California, despite the earthquake this morning you just heard us talking about. Um, joining me on the show today, uh, two very, very funny guys. Uh, uh, Amir, I think I know a little better than I know Maz. I've worked with you a few times. Really? We don't know each other. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we've worked together quite a bit. Amir K., you can catch him on MTV's uh, Jerks with uh, Cameras, right? Yeah, 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 you can catch catch me on there. And then uh, joining us across the table is Maz Jobrani from. Did I say that right? Yeah, you nailed it. Oh, good, man. Normally it's Jabroni. Jabroni, man. Yeah, Maz Jabroni, you got it right. Awesome. I I like to do my research because people fuck up my name all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, from countless movies and TV shows, The Axis of uh, Evil Comedy Tour. Mm. uh, And uh, you had a special recently, I Come in Peace. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's on Netflix. Netflix right now. Watch it. It's really funny. I watched some of it on the road. Um, I had Aaron Cater on a little while ago. Oh, yeah. Axis of Evil, the original. Yeah, and who else? It was me, Aaron Cater, and Ahmed Ahmed. Okay. We were the original people on that. Oh, was Tripoli involved? Tripoli was as well. Tripoli was the original. Tripoli when we were called the Arabian Nights. That's when Mitzi Shore put us together. It was me, Tripoli, 
uh, Aaron and Ahmed. And then once we shot the special, by the time we shot the special, it changed to Access to Evil, and Tripoli wasn't with us anymore. And then we put Dino Bidal out in New York on the show. Okay. And uh, that was it, man. Oh, yeah, because I had Aaron and Sam on. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So uh, was it... Because Sam's not Persian, right? Sam is half Armenian. Okay. So that's how he got on there was because he was half Armenian. And he's not even like, it's not really even <laughs> Middle Eastern, really. Right, right. <laughs> and that's why, like, it, 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 what happened was Mitzi was, Mitzi Shore was looking to put a show together mm-hmm. and called the Arabian Nights. So mm-hmm. she said anyone. I remember that. I think I was ha- hanging out back then. Yeah. And I think she wanted anyone that was Middle Eastern. And I was the only Middle Eastern comic at the club. Mm-hmm. And then she'd seen Ahmed one time perform. So she brought him in. And then I'd seen Aaron Cater perform one time and recollected just like roughly recollected that i heard him say he's half palestinian right and then i was friends with tripoli he'd been trying to get into the club and he was having trouble getting in so i called him up i go do you have any middle eastern you because i was like tripoli is the capital of libya i go there's gotta be something there and he goes well i'm I'm half armenian i go that might work work. (laughs) so he got in he got in because but then he was like but then once we went to like um once we started attracting middle eastern audiences he was, I thought, a little too. Uh, his style was just too uh, risky, risque, kind of yeah, like sure. you know, too blue for yeah, them, yeah. and that was his style, which was fine. Yeah, and he embraces it. Yeah, and I was like, you don't need to like change who you are to be able to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he just stopped uh, t- sh- doing shows with us at okay. that point. Yeah. How did you and Amir? Because I know you and Amir worked together a lot. I was blowing him for about three years. Oh, okay. yes. And then, uh, he was my. And then uh, we just, uh, you know. <laughs> then I, I finally took uh, my penis out of his mouth and I said, hey, I, you tell jokes. <laughs> no, Amir and I, Amir is funny because he's, uh, I would see him at the, he would see him at the club at the comedy store and he had a room and he always said, I beg this guy to fucking do the show. Oh, yeah. I'd always, I'd be like, yo, Mons, if you ever wanted to fuck God, <laughs> come do my fucking show. It's always packed. And, and like guys would always do my show at the mm-hmm. store. I had it in the main room and I'd always pack it out and it yeah, wasn't yeah. like a bringer show. It was like, I'd make sure it was packed and then mm-hmm. and then just grab people in the hallway. You know, like I'd get like Sebastian or Bobby Lee or like oh, cool. or like Delia or like Bill Burr would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone would do it except <laughs> this guy that I don't know, but I'd ask him and I know I, I always looked up to Maz and like Ahmed and those guys and and then I, I would always see him and I'd be like, yo, if you want to do it, you know, I'm not going to put you on any fly or anything like that. Just come. And he was like, yeah, yeah. But then he was always busy. And I always tell security, so. keep this guy away yeah, from right. me. Right, <laughs> No, it was just, it was funny. I saw him hanging out at the club and he would come by. And a lot of times, you know what, you know what, this is what happened was when you, once you start touring and you know, when you got kids, you're touring and then you get back home and you just want to like go to the comedy store and laugh factory, do your spots, hang yeah. out and you're done. Like I'm not. I'm not a stage where I don't need to go do an hour in other rooms just to ple- you know pleasure myself. So right. I was like, I'd do my spots, and then I would run into him. He'd be like, "Hey, I got a spot in a week or two. and I was like, "Listen, man, I just I'm just gonna get up and go down. You know, I'm not I don't need to necessarily. Which I get now, but back then I was like, "How the fuck do these guys not want the time? You know, what I mean? <laughs> it's like you don't get it when you're that young in the game. You yeah, don't yeah. get the time. So like any time, stage time, you're like, dude. And then, but then, of course, some guys like a Burr or something would be like working on a Tonight Show thing or whatever it was, and he'd want to come and he'd do all the rooms. So I'd yeah, if you want to, if you're running something fine, but if it's like, I mean, I've, I've had this a few times now where like I was just I was just traveling and I ended up in San Francisco and it just so happened that Sebastian was headlining Cobbs and mm-hmm. I do. Cobbs and I showed up to just hang out and you know the instinct is to be like Sebastian was like so you want, you want to get up and yeah. I was like no man I was, I'm tired I don't need to get up like, <laughs> so I, for five minutes or even seven whatever I don't need to do that right. I, I'm just chilling you know it's just like I think I think it's good I used to think that you had to get up as much as you can and I tell people that, to do that and I do get up like I get up like five six times a week mm-hmm. normally but 
I don't feel like if I'm in the in the environment that I have to get on stage. Like I think it's good to give your brain a break and your body a break and just sure. you know just take a take a break from it all for a minute. No, yeah, I hear you. Like coming back from like a a twelve show Vegas trip, you know. Oh yeah, just get get a good week, just yeah. a week, you know. Yeah, that's great. So you're both Californians, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, we are California. Yeah, uh, That's what they told us to say <laughs> at the border. <laughs> yes. Can I, uh, can I see are, your papers? We are see from California, yeah. USA. Uh, <laughs> Just grabbing a water here. Anybody else need more water? Oh, no, I'm good. I was okay. born in Iran and grew up in Northern California. Oh, okay. And, and you I was were born, born in Iran and grew up in Southern California. You were born in Iran? I thought you were born in OC. I no, didn't realize you were. No, I was born in Iran and I came when I was like four or five. Oh, okay. Because you're an OC cat, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that where you met Kira Sultanovich up north? Or did you meet her? No, I met Kira down here. I met Kira doing... I started doing stand-up down here. Uh-huh. So I met Kira down here. Um, yeah, we've been in the game for a while. I always kind of think of Kira as the female version of me. Really? Is it Just the mustache? Just because the mustache. <laughs> but she has a bigger dick. Her, her penis. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just because like she's kind of has a... You know, she's got her ethnic thing going with the Russian stuff, and I got my ethnic thing going for the Persian stuff, and, and we both kind of started around the same time, and now we both have kids. So it feels like we're on the same trajectory. Yeah. Well, we should do sense. a TV show. You should. Me and Kira. Yeah, that'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you started up in San Fran is what you said, though? No, I started oh, in LA. Oh, you started on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started in LA about 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I took a, I took Judy Carter's uh, stand-up class. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, took that and then I... Was that uh, helpful at all? It was. It was very helpful because I'd always wanted to be on stage. I mean, I'd always done plays uh-huh. and I was always comfortable with being on stage. But I just didn't know what to write about. Right. And so taking that class, you just was like, you know, you can read the book too, but it breaks yeah, yeah. it down and it helps you learn how to write. And then once I, once I really got into it, then I stopped, I, you know, I wouldn't sit there and follow her system. It was just right. kind of, you go on stage now and you try out material and you find the funny in it. Because actually Kira took a class too. There you go. Uh, yeah, because I'll, I'll like headline Leslie Wolf's graduation class at the improv sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of just like, I wonder if this is really, but then as I learned... People who I respect and like to cut them. Then I'm like, all right, maybe. Uh, maybe I think I early wrong. on, a lot of people just for direction, like, confidence. I I some, yeah. yeah, and just you just like I took one with Greg Wilson of all people. The you know, Greg like Wilson. I have I, I didn't know now. I'm like the guy's fucking. Uh. Drinking. <laughs> yeah, no, because it was it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a fucking like five week thing. It was like a one day. Yeah, and I, and I was at the haha at the time, like working there for free. Right, right. And then he just would come in, and I I just jumped in and I sat and listened to his like little little lecture about, and I needed to know like how how because you don't know as a young guy coming in like what it takes or like you what the steps are like go to open mm-hmm. mics every night yeah you know then host a show if you can then start a show if you yeah. can yeah, yeah so i just needed to know the business of comedy a little not not like how to write a joke and like or like hey compare yourself to two people like oh, i know what you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> you know not that shit i just right, wanted right. to know like where to go like who who to hang out I, with. you know what i say i say it's like doing open mics but with a safety net because uh-huh. when you do it, and, and also with people that give you feedback. Because when you do an open mic, you, you should go to open mics with a friend mm-hmm. so that you can at least give each other feedback and you can record it. But nine times out of ten, no one's paying attention to you. They're yeah. too busy worrying about their own set. But at least in a class, they're watching you. There's a teacher. The other students give you some feedback, and so it's just it's just a nicer way to go into the. And then and then the first thing they encourage you is to go do open mics, which yeah. is what you go and do anyway. I remember last time I, Leslie Wolf teaches a class here, and I. She asked me to come in and headline it and close it out. And through the whole show, two girls were in the front taking selfies and talking through the whole time. And you've gone through 10 comics, none of which know to say anything but uh, how to handle that. But yeah, Yeah. but what they were going to say tonight. And then I went up and I just ripped them. 
for yeah. like 15 minutes and the yeah. place loved it and she'll that, probably that, never ask me to do it again <laughs> that happened to flappers like i was uh at one of these what was it, was, it wasn't a, i don't think i think it was, may have been a graduation or like uh-huh. like one of the shows with the newer comics but like yeah table in the front this girl wouldn't shut up and just comment and these you know the younger guys don't know how to like how to handle that yeah yeah and i'm like surprised no one said anything like the host hasn't gone up and gone yo shut the fuck up let them yeah. do you know they didn't, yeah, yeah they didn't rehearse their act with you and you know like what are you doing like and then these kids are going up, and, and I just felt bad because I remember being in that position. You're like, oh, this is my time, and then somebody's just ruining it. So then I went up toward the end of the show, and I just it was the worst that I've ever had. But I just like reamed this lady <laughs> for, and it was just got so uncomfortable and awkward. But I felt like I had to do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, and also like if you look like if I look at that set that I did because of the Judy Carr and the other graduation mm-hmm. set, it's a monologue. It's not. It's not really stand up. I'm yeah. doing a monologue. I'm pausing where I think I got to pause. You can do it anywhere. Yeah, the speed is yeah, the same yeah. speed. I'm like. I'm looking, you know, I'm doing a monologue yeah. and it's, and as you cringe, it's one of those things where you're watching, you cringe, but you're right. You don't learn. I remember actually after that, I took a class with Mike Marino. Oh, I never know he taught. Yeah, he taught for a minute. And okay. then we did like an exercise. He kind of was like, whereas Judy had like written a book and broken it down and uh-huh. kind of had come up with a science for it. Like, you know, every comedian has a point of view. Every comedian is saying it's crazy when fill in the blank mm-hmm. i hate it when fill in the blank. i love it when and like you know marino was a lot more loosey-goosey and like hey i want to teach a class use my experience to help you guys so okay. we actually did a couple of uh exercises where it was like okay now we're gonna try uh, crowd work oh wow All right. and that was and that was it felt i, I was excited to even try it but yeah, i yeah. but i was like i said like, oh you gotta have Oh, you have to have a generic comeback. Okay, I see how it works. Mm-hmm. But then later on, I realized that's not what I want. Like, I'd rather just be in the moment if I can. Yeah. But you don't know that. So you're sitting there and you're yeah. doing your thing and someone's... I don't slap the dicks out of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't come to your job. Yeah. Do you get now, do you get much hecklers these days? I don't. For the most part, you know, if I'm doing shows that are my shows, most people come and they have a good time. Yeah, because... It's funny because you get the opposite of Heckler. You get the guy who's too excited. He's so good at handling. I don't know how he does yeah. it. Like I get pissed. He gets like he's like oh, yeah. he like takes it. I've seen then, you get pissed by. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. yeah, I think a lot of people see me. I've told Amir. I've told Amir. I was like, like I was like, like you got some father issues. I, you yeah, need to work. Major issues to work yeah, out. But yeah. I've gotten better. I think. Yeah. Like, this dude watching him is like unbelievable how he handles like because I I get um I get irritated with stupid people and sometimes that's what the over helpful guy or whatever is like. Just some guy that he thinks he's helping, but he's just you know yeah, maybe yeah. drunk or whatever. Yeah, he's usually he's a drunk guy, you know. Yeah. And so it's like you gotta. I've realized if you stop the whole show, then you're stopping your momentum. Mm-hmm. If you're able to deal with him, and then just even even if after a couple of comebacks, you sincerely look at him, and go, hey, whatever, Murray, listen, man, I love you too. It's so great we're here, but you know these people are here too. After the show, I'll give you a hug, whatever, right, right. And quiet him down for another 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, you can get through it. You know, uh, but he's just trying to be helpful. But then there's also the dicks who try to, you know, that are that are that'll heckle. And I and I recently had a situation where I'd been having good sets, and uh, and I went to the comedy store. It was packed main room on a Saturday, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is gonna be great. It was some newer material I was doing, but it was going over well. And then I kind of overheard the comics before me. I think Bobby Lee and Jeff Garland kind of talking to the audience about how not great they were. Mm-hmm. But I thought, oh, maybe it's just early. They're not going to, you know. So I was like, I'll go out with my energy and get them. And I, I went out and I started. And about seven minutes in, I'm like, oh, man, this is this, this this set is not going that well. So I made a comment, too. I was like, you know, this side is great. And I was like, this side, you guys, not so much. And then yeah. somebody goes from, from, the, from the bad side, somebody goes, because you're not funny. And my instinct, I go, I turn it, I go, suck my, no, I turn that <laughs> way, I go, suck my dick. 
And then the the couple in front of me started laughing, and I turned to them. I go, "That was pretty funny, right?" And then and then I turned to that side. I didn't know who had said it, so I was like, "So who said that?" I just wanted to talk to the guy. Yeah, yeah. But there was everyone was just staring at me, and I was like, "Does anyone know who said that?" Nobody was saying anything. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest thing. I felt like a teacher in a classroom trying to catch the kid yeah yeah and the, and i kind of narrowed it down this to this couple that looked like a white <laughs> drunk couple i <laughs> did the rest but, of the class no but i was but i was sitting there and i was and it, what, the, the problem was it just brought the whole energy down sure so then i i was i was actually talking to dane cook about it afterwards i was i was at the laugh factory after and i was like man i just i was like it just sucked the way it just all went down and he was talking about how he's like yeah he's like i'm trying to embrace like if something like that happens he's like rather than going after the guy i'm trying to turn around and be like you know what you're right. I'm not that good tonight. Like, what's going on? And then yeah, like yeah. break it down. And I was like, that's you know, that's an interesting. Approach, yeah, yeah. To like sw- turn it on them. Turn it I was on telling them. You, I saw. I've seen like Chappelle and guys like that do it, where they like take some. You know, I mean, he's so good at it now because people just yell shit from like the Chappelle show like ten years ago. Right. You know? like, yeah. And then he just has learned to deal with that and such like a just spin it on him. You know. Yeah, it's almost like, like it's like down. a cycle. You gotta like be. It's almost like I always say comedy is like therapy anyway. So I think it's like different levels of psychological breakthrough, mm-hmm. knowing how to deal with a guy like that. Because sure, the yeah. guy's yelling stuff. Maybe he's a fan. Mm-hmm. He wants to hear that thing. You have 300 people watching you. And now, how do you diffuse this guy? Some of them know what he's talking about. Some of them don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. You want him to shut up, but you want to be able to get back into your bit mm-hmm. that he just took all the steam out of right now. Right. So I've, I'm a surprised at how sometimes they'll side with that guy, the audience. Oh, yeah. They'll be like, "Whoa, why you? Uh, you know, he's just wanting to have fun, yelling mm-hmm. out. Why are you? You ever what, run across that? Well, no. It depends on how he, how you handle it. If you turn right on the guy and like just like start reaming him, then yeah. I think the audience is like, "Whoa, what the hell? Yeah, we yeah, call that an Amir. Yeah, I do yeah, it. No. <laughs> oh yeah, I've done that. But no, I think if they like you enough, like you know, when if you built a relationship with the audience over your set or whatever, mm-hmm. and then one guy usually they're on your side, you know. And if you do it the right way. The whole audience should be on your side, right? Yeah. Well, it's also funny when, like, you do, I forget where it was. Somebody said something, you know, it was one of those moments where I was trying to implement this, I'll deal with it nicely way. Right. And, oh, it was what happened was, um, this table was just loud at the at the um, at the ice house, and it was this lady who was talking. She was being really loud, and finally, like I was just ignoring, ignoring. And finally, I was like, I gotta address this. So I started talking to her, and I think she said something. I forget what it was, but oh, you know, it's something about. I said something. I said something. I think she had like she was kind of you know cute lady like pretty hair and she was I mean like pretty lady with like long hair and I mm-hmm. said something about like oh whatever blah blah, blah long like you got you got, oh because she was talking so much and and she'd been that's what it was she'd been talking so much and she was there with her brother and a girl that he she was trying to set her brother up with it was their first date and she's like they're gonna get married and I was like oh great I go I was like you know how long you guys been together and the brother's like first date. And then I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "So, wh- why are you pressuring your brother?" And then, and then I go, "Are you married?" And the brother's like, "She's been divorced five times." <laughs> and I go, "Wow!" I go, "Whoa!" I go, "Well, I, maybe, maybe you talk too much." I go, and, I, and then I go, "I go, you know, I understand because you're a pretty lady, you got that long hair." Right, right. And then she says something like, "You know, yeah, you know, you're bald, you could use my hair or something." And the audience was like, "Ooh!" Yeah, yeah. And then, I, and, and then I had to turn to the audience and be like, "What do you mean, ooh?" It's like it's not that she didn't really say that bad of a thing. It's true, I could use some hair, you know, and it helped kind of. Def- because the audience feels like they got to play their role sometimes. Yeah. yeah. But then I didn't. You didn't need an ooh there. There was nothing ooh about that. Yeah. yeah. You know. Sure, sure, sure. I find like I find when I when you have to turn because I'm I'm the same. I try not to. Mm-hmm. My initial instinct is especially if you're taping or oh, you're, you're working on something and you might. You know. Yeah. So I I've been trying I've been trying to not be so hostile and I've I've come up with this thing where I I make it seem like they 
get at me, even though I get them. Like I, I'll sh- shut them down really hard, and everybody will laugh. And then I'll do like an aside to like, oh, this guy's gonna kick my ass in the parking oh, lot. You know, oh, yeah, kind of yeah, just yeah. you know, kind of give him a little bit of a relief. Yeah. Uh, to make, oh yeah, maybe I will. Kick yeah. it, you know, <laughs> you know kind of, so he doesn't feel. So he doesn't actually kick my ass in the parking lot. Right. Is right. <laughs> what it boils down to. Um, two things. Sorry if it gets warm in here. We had to close the windows. It's okay. Because uh, so of construction. And sorry if it uh, smells like old people in here because my parents stayed in here for my, the last Because my grandfather passed away. Oh, great. <laughs> Wait, where's your parents? Is there a bed? Oh, this is a Murphy bed. Oh, great. Right there. Okay. It was actually a, 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 a kill two birds with one stone. It, it deadens the sound. Oh. I thought you were going to say they're in there now. <laughs> <laughs> Can you pull it down? Dad? Like, how are you? <laughs> Doing the podcast. This is a segment I call Dad in the Bed. Yeah. So, Amir, you, uh, I know you go on the road with Maz a lot, but you mm-hmm. also headline a lot. I've been starting to, yeah. Um, but uh, Maz definitely put me in front of a lot of people. And, uh-huh. and that's been really cool because then, you know, when I go to some cities, uh, they've seen me with him. So some of those, those audience members I didn't yell at. Come, come back to the show. It's a five-person you know, show. Yeah, so I'm able to do at least 10, 15 ticket sales uh, in whatever city we go. No, but he's been so cool to me, man, which is like, uh, you know, you can't uh, ask for anything better than somebody that, you know, you get along with on the road, and he's so cool, and he takes me to the cities, and and then his fans come, and then I, I find that, the you know, some of the kids, the younger kids are like, oh, they kind of uh, relate to me. Uh-huh. You know, they're like, oh, shit, you know, I, you know, I can't, you know, my parents are just like yours, and yeah, they're yeah. like me. And, and I, I feel like they think that now this is an option. Like, Maz is doing it, obviously. I saw him do it, and I was like, oh, I can do this, you know, like. Right. Um, I'm getting a chair. And you know what I'm saying? Like, so now the kids. The, oh, it's my, I'm sorry. The kids will see. <laughs> The kids will see, you know, like a guy like me doing it. They go, okay. And I think that gives them like some motivation or whatever to do. Right. If they were trying to do stand-up or any sort of, uh, you know. Oh, that's cool. Performance art. Is there not stuff. a, I know, is there, I, I don't know, this is probably going to sound like an ignorant question, but um, were there not a lot of Middle Eastern stand-up role models? Is that? How ignorant is, of you. He, he How ignorant. Maz How, is pretty much the guy. <laughs> Did Maz blow down the doors? That's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard. Mark. He's like, no, it, you know, it's yeah. funny. It's, um, you know, I grew up in America. Mm-hmm. I came here when I was six in the, so late 70s. And then um, I always think that there's any immigrant culture who comes to America, they, there's a few, it takes a couple generations to get into show business. Except for the Jews, they came in. <laughs> but no, but a lot, but like, but a lot of times, what'll happen is the parents will come. They've will will have brought you know some money from the other country, and they and they will buy a store or some sort of business, mm-hmm. and then they want their kids to be lawyers and doctors and go to college. And then it takes a, a, another generation to start realizing, oh wow, there's other things to do. And I kind of grew up in that first generation that came over, so like I should be a lawyer or a doctor. Sure. But I think some point, uh, like when I was twelve years old, I, I started doing plays in school, and I fell in love with it. And at some point, I realized, oh, you can actually do this. Mm-hmm. And I became a lot more Americanized in my mentality than than uh, you know Iranianized in that sense. Yeah. So starting out, like when I first started, there really weren't any other like the only other Middle Eastern comics I knew. I, I met Ahmed Ahmed at some point, and then there was Aaron was right around there. Um, but Aaron they, Cater, Aaron Cater, yeah. But there weren't that many guys, you know. There's Omid Jalili out of out of England. Uh huh. Oh yeah. And now it's just amazing. There's been a boom, and like even like the Middle East. Like we went with me, Ahmed, and Aaron. We went to the, the Axe of Evil in the Middle East in 2007, mm-hmm. and there was no stand up back then. And then and maybe there's a couple guys doing like a little bit, but now every country has its own like stand up group. Mm-hmm. 
and it's pretty amazing and it's and i think it's just realizing that you can like amir was saying realizing oh wow i can do this and a lot of people still have their day jobs or what have you sure. but they go oh i'm inspired to do this yeah. there's like three or four guys that hang around the store now that are like lawyers they're like persian guys that are like lawyers and they're trying to like get in there like, man i fucking hate being a lawyer you know? yeah. and, I, and they want to do it but it's like you know they see now that it's a viable option and you can't actually do it if Oh, and also cool. it's like I mean I could tell you can tell who's in it for real and who's not like a guy like Amir when I met him you know the, the, the first time we actually started gigging together I took him to feature in, in Sacramento and I was like okay this guy's talented and he's doing it full time he's good I mean, at one point when we were touring he's like yeah I've been up 350 days this past year so you go okay that's that guy's serious and then right. there's a lot of guys who would like to do it but unfortunately it's kind of like the golden handcuff situation where they have a real job and they can't dedicate five nights a week or yeah. six nights a week. So, you know. And they don't want to get away from the money. It's like too comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was like, that was my situation before I started stand up. I was doing real estate, you know, uh -huh. appraisals or whatever. And then when you start making money and then you're like, okay, well, I'll just do it another week. Another. And the best thing that happened to me was the real estate market crashing. And then I was able to, you know, like, then I was like, okay, shit. Yeah. I can either like re up and like get my business going again. I lost 70% of my business in a month. So then I was like, I could either do that or just go follow my dream and just forget about all this bullshit and making money and go start, you know, oh, that's awesome. stand up. And then I did that. It was cool. Yeah. Whenever somebody asks me, like, you know, you run into these guys on the road or whatever, how do I get into stand up? Or so I get it a lot more because I'm, I write for television also. How do mm -hmm. I get into writing? Like, Quit your job, man. Yeah. You just got to do it. You just nothing have to do it. makes you more motivated than having to make money. Yeah. <laughs> having, to, having to get good. Yeah, you got to dive. Otherwise, it's... Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was when I took that class with Judy Carter, there was a guy who was very funny, but he had a corporate job at Disney, mm -hmm. and he was making really good money, and he just didn't pursue it. He was like, I can't do this because I just can't... You know, he's got... The thing was too comfortable for him. Yeah. And who knows where that would have led him. He might have... He might have had his own show right now, or he might have been struggling still. So you never know. Yeah, you know? it's definitely a leap. Yeah. How has it been for you with the kids now, traveling? It's hard. You know what? I what I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I can kind of control my schedule a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what I'll do is uh, I'll try and take summer off, and I'll try and take uh, the holidays off. Oh yeah. And then come spring, I'll go hardcore, and then come uh, fall, I'll go hardcore. So, for example, like right now, my schedule is so crazy. I'm yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in the air. I'll, like i mean f literally for the next i've i've been i've been doing shows every weekend the past i think month and then that, and this will go basically into june so another like two or three months of just every weekend mm -hmm. and like you come home like i just got home yesterday and and then i leave again tomorrow wow and it's like long distances like yeah. i'm gonna fly to dubai tomorrow oh Vancouver my God, really? on friday like freaking 20 hour flight it's crazy dude it's just crazy but it's one of those things where you go look you know, first of all, hit it while it's hot. Sure. Um, secondly, kids are going to private school, mm. so I got to pay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and thirdly, it's like, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, I would love, like right now, I would love to end up on a show, you know, four camera show, local, yeah. and just be able to do that for a while and then go out whenever I want to. Because in all honesty, I love getting up at the local clubs and doing 15 to 20 minutes of mm. just loose material. Yeah. I love that. So it it would be nice, but but I'm lucky that I can do what I'm doing, and I you know, I I, I have a fan base, and I and I have uh, universities and stuff that bring me out, and and it's a, you know it's good. I'm not digging ditches. Right, right. So, well, first of all, let me say thank you for coming on and doing this. No problem. Because I know how busy you are, oh, and I've been hounding Amir to come on too every time I run into him. 
And that's it. I'll see you later. No. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks for coming. Um, how was the, I, I, somebody called to ask if I wanted to go over to Dubai with him, but it never it never came to. How was have you ever performed there before? Either, either? I haven't. He he goes all the time. Yeah, I've you gone. You know, it's interesting. Here's the thing. First of all, when it, again when we went with Axis of Evil in 2007, it was mm-hmm. the first time there was a group of. of American comedians coming to the Middle East to perform for the people of the Middle East. Because usually American comedians go there to do the troops. Right. But this time we were doing the thing. And, and it was interesting because Axis of, of Evil Comedy Tour had just come out. It had ended up on YouTube. We were very popular, beyond what I thought. Mm-hmm. And we showed up, and it was me, Ahmed, and Aaron, and we were doing like press conferences because it aired over there too. And we felt, I felt like the Beatles. It was amazing. Really? It was just selling out left and right, VIP treatment. Every country we'd go. And suddenly we were these like big fish in a small pond kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you go out there, and I've done seven countries out there. Some of them are looser than others. Most of them will tell you, listen, no sex, no religion, no politics. Mm-hmm. And I realize, first of all, when they say no sex, it's because families are bringing their kids. Even though, they, I mean, like, like I've done, like I did shows in Dubai, like a nightclub. And the guy said, say whatever you want. Yeah. But then when I did like the theaters, there's going to be kids, don't do sex. Uh, religion is just are very sensitive to that. And then politics, they mean no local politics. So if you're in Dubai making fun of, I don't know, uh, the president of Iran, they don't care. Right. You know? so, so there's a few things you got to watch. But the other thing is, um, like, when you know, it's like anywhere. When you're working on material here in LA, you have a lot of, like, I have material that I'm talking about, like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And I can do that in Dubai, but it gets a much better reception in LA because people are, everyone knows Disneyland, but people here have just been there recently or whatever. So you got to go there a lot of times and you got to go, okay, what new material am I doing that I can't do because it's not going to work as well? And then what material have I done in the past that if I do again, now that I'm coming, I go back like once a year. Yeah. So I'm here again. What material can I do again and 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 not have people go oh you always come back with the same material right right so i'm constantly looking for new stuff whenever i land i just start asking like what's going on what's what, what's what's the next thing happening here yeah, you know yeah. what, what's the hotel i'm staying at like i was i just did a show in doha in qatar mm-hmm. i was staying at a hotel called la segal la segal la segal c i g a l e mm-hmm. had no idea what it meant i land i asked the i asked the I asked the uh, the concert, whatever Steven the Seagal owns it. the Belman, yeah. I go, I go. What is a Segal? And he's like, hey, you know, it's, a, and it's like the, he was Arab, but he was mm-hmm. Lebanese, so they speak French. He's like, you know, it's like a, a crocodile, because the Lebanese they speak French. He's like, uh-huh. it's a crocodile. I was like, oh, so La Segal, this hotel is called the Crocodile. I was like, okay. Then I was, then I had my little press conference that they put together where there was two journalists, <laughs> and they go, I'm like, why do I have a press conference? I'm like, it's, we thought you would want one. I'm like, I don't want, I want to sleep. And then they go, then they go. Uh, then I then I asked at that press conference. It was two journalists, the mm-hmm. two promoters, and like four hotel managers. Like they're all excited. I'm there again. Right. This big fish, small pond. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the Eddie Murphy of <laughs> their world is here right now. And then the guy's like, "Anything you need today?" And I go, "Yeah." I go, "Listen, I, I do, I do need. There's some money." I go, "La Segala means crocodile." I was like, "No, no, no. It is um, uh, what is it with the shells? It is a shell." Uh, I go, "It's like a." It's like a, some sort of uh, like a crab or something. He's like, yeah, it's with a shell. I'm like, okay, so it's uh, it's not a crocodile. It's something else. Then because of that, I got on stage, and the first minute I started riffing about, we're here, good. Thank you, La Segal, for having me. I was like, nobody knows what it means. Right. And I was like, does anyone here know what it means? And nobody knew, and they they're all laughing. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's I've narrowed it down. It's either a crab or a crocodile, <laughs> and they're all laughing. And then finally, I ended up like doing crowd work, and there was actually a French woman there. 
And I go, ah, finally. I go, we found the lady who can answer the question. I go, lady, hit me. Like, madame, whatever, whatever. What is La Cigale? And she's like, it is cricket. <laughs> I'm like, it's a cricket? I go, that's the worst name for a comedy show and a hotel. So it became this thing where I was able to, like, I, I have to find that stuff. Dude, you have to. And yeah, you know, actually. Yeah, so it's just all fresh. Listen, you have to. And it's like, uh, this uh, Omid Jalili told me he went to see Seinfeld at the O2 Center in London. Mm -hmm. And he said what, what was great about him, he said he did about a few minutes at the top about the amount of traffic getting into the O2 Center because there's 16,000 people. Sure. And he goes, everybody loved it because it they just experienced yeah, it. Yeah, it's fresh and it's new and it's like not his uh, material that they've heard. Yeah, so you can't go on stage in Dubai or Doha or any of these places and be like, oh, let me. Anyway, uh, my girlfriend just broke up with me. Yeah, you gotta just work. You're dead. Yeah, sure. You're dead. I find that in almost any city, any yeah. city, any club. They it's love the it, ones yeah. who The I ones agree. who walk up and go, boy, relationships suck. It, yeah. I, I watch the, the crowd's eyes just yeah. roll over, man. They yeah. don't want to. I don't think, and this is my opinion, I don't think they want to hear an act. You know, yeah, I mean, but know, that, that's they in, smell the jokes. They're like, yeah, okay, that's in quotes, by the way, because we're all going to do an act. But yeah. you know, once they, once they, it's like acting, I guess. Well, I'll tell you once what the you worst see somebody is. Somebody acting, you're. Well, terrible. here's what the worst is. The worst is uh, some people that will get used to doing showcase sets in this town. Mm -hmm. You know, we got ten comics. You're going to go up. You're going to do your set. There might be industry. Get used to it. Mm -hmm. You get you you get into that rhythm. Then you go on the road and you do that. And then you watch it and you go, wow, this guy did not connect with that audience at all. Yeah, they're not in the room. They're just doing their showcase sets. Doing yeah, the showcase not sets. Being in the room wherever you were in Alabama, like being in Alabama, dude, like you're fucking performing in a different, you know. Yeah, take a minute to land. Like land. I always do, like you said, very you, good know, it, yeah. you taught me um, to do that, like to go, like, you know, when you get to your hotel, look around, like figure some shit out, like some local stuff, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it is. Yeah. And then just ease in, you know, like you go, hey, I'm here. And then they're, they don't, they're not like, oh, I could have watched this guy in Alaska. He would have been the same guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's you know? an interesting point. Yeah. It's like do a couple little, you know, things that lets you, lets them know that, hey, I've, I've seen your city, I've, whatever it is. Yeah. Just but so it's real. Connect with you. Yeah. It's real. It's not something packaged, I think. Yeah. So you seem to, what you've, I mean, you seem to be attracting more of a younger crowd. How old are you? You're like 20, what? I'm 32. Oh, you're 32? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you scooters. That's why he brought me on the thing to figure out my age. Yeah, I didn't know what. I <laughs> no, I am. I'm 32, man. No, wow. no, no. Everyone thinks I'm younger. I think I just. I think it's the first hat. The hat, uh, the long hair, probably. Yeah. Maybe the way you dress. <laughs> the way I I've talk. been telling yeah, you. I like a fucking 10 year old. <laughs> <laughs> no, Maz always makes fun of me for my. I always wear a hat everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Even on stage. When I have sex, I wear a fucking. Like, hat. buddy, you're not a shortstop. <laughs> Please yeah. put away the hat. I Man, you haven't you haven't had that yet because I had that when I was about thirty three when I realized I'm dressed like my five year old nephews. <laughs> like, okay, maybe it's time to not. Well, listen. First of all, we we perform, and it's like, and and you got you got a choice. You can either come out in like a you know three piece suit, mm -hmm. which by the way we you were there. There was a there's a guy really nice guy, uh, Ramin, who you're gonna do a show oh, with in yeah, DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy Ramin is a not, you know he's newer. Uh huh. And he he came to do a show in DC, and I and we and we're gonna do it again soon at the. Um, at the uh, uh, um, Warner, it's a nice theater. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, and he's like, "Can I do a guest spot?" And I watched this set. I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty funny. You get to do it." And then and then he showed up, and he was like in a like in a suit with like a with a um, with a vest with like everything. Like he looked like he was ready to like take someone's deposition. Right, right. And I told him, I was like, "Dude, I was like, you got to loosen up a little bit because it's just it doesn't because you know I mean look at just performers." 
you you either gotta go you either gotta go Frank Sinatra route yeah you know where like Tom Dreesen's told me but like, like always be like that don't you know not just because you're doing a thing right but you either gotta go that route like like yeah. Steve Steve Byrne puts on a lot of times puts on a black Sebastian. suit with a black tie Sebastian, Sebastian you know you could either go that route or you gotta go like a younger kind of nice but younger so I mean and all, like I mean my wife has joked about me sometimes she's like you're not what are you Justin Timberlake like, get rid of the sneakers but I love I'm comfortable on stage yeah. And I think, end of the day, you also want to relate to, I mean, no matter what you say, you hope that your audience remains somewhat younger mm-hmm. so that so that you have longevity and also that you're hip. I mean, that's like, I think, I don't know if Carlin was, Carlin might have been able to do that for a while. Oh, you did it, I think, till, till the end. You know, I'm just, I don't know how old his audience members were, but I'm just right. saying like, I mean, I heard like, for example, I heard a while back the Rolling Stones were shooting some video and they were talking about how they had to hire young like the young uh, fans yeah yeah like young angelino like models to show up and be hanging out who didn't even know who they were (laughs) that's funny kind of sucks i mean that's that's like the stones dude like they're that's the rolling stones the freaking game for years yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like yeah that's so funny but yeah i don't know i mean the i think just comedy one keeps you like that's like a young you know that's like a young i don't know i mean if you're commenting if you're commenting on on the social stuff mm-hmm. i think a lot of young people get it right 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 doesn't matter how old you are young people yeah, are yeah. very much anti-establishment mm-hmm. so if you're sitting there bitching about whatever it is yeah. they're with you but as soon as you start like if, it, if the jokes all become about you know your bad back right. i'm doing i'm doing a couple of jokes like that right now already <laughs> i'm like you start losing no, them but Maz is good because now i mean you have a like a broader audience now and it's yeah. like and i think they're growing with you into that whole like kid you know your material with your kids and like yeah and also i think when i do like when i do the younger stuff age. i talk about like getting older but i also ask who's in their 20s and yeah. then i go like i hate you guys like i mess with them a little yeah. bit you know well i'm doing hardcore dad stuff right now just to fill out once i get this hour down i'll yeah. record it and put it aside but i've walked into like Super the, young where they don't get the it. Irvine like, college crowd and yeah. I'm like, all right, oh, I comedy got some, juice on a fucking yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, I'm like, I got some work ahead of me tonight. Well, you know, actually, <laughs> I just, I just, I was listening to the uh, Marin's interview with Billy Connolly, and he was just saying how he, and, and it was true. He goes, because Marin was talking about uh, like how he went to, I think Scotland or somewhere, and was doing a set or Ireland, and he said I was, te- he was telling a story about a divorce he was going through, and he mm-hmm. said he was worried that they weren't going to get him. And then Connolly was like, no, like you, everyone will get you. Everyone, he goes, Connolly's like, they'll get you in, in whatever, in, in uh, uh, Tennessee, and they'll get you, because we all have had similar, so if you're doing your joke about your childhood experiences, and he goes, Connolly was like, you know, there was always a fat kid in everyone's class, yeah. and there was always the first love and all that. So I think it's a matter of making it relatable. Mm-hmm. And also if they see your frustration, I've done kid material in front of college crowds, they see me getting frustrated, you know, sometimes I'll turn to the crowd and I'll say, who has kids? And if they're really, if it's like, if there's not that many older people in the crowd, I'll say, if it's a college crowd, I'll say, you guys have younger brothers and sisters, right? I'll be like, you know, you guys have it so much easier. Let me tell you about these. And then I yeah, go yeah. into it and try and make them feel my pain, Yeah, which it, is what they're laughing at. And that's a good point. Yeah, they understand it from one one angle, you know, whether, even if they're not a dad, they'd understand it from a different, you know. Yeah. I remember like one of my biggest epiphanies in stand-up was I, I, my dad was a preacher. But I never talked about it on stage. I'm like, who is going to relate to growing up to being a preacher? Then I started doing stuff about, but it was more about religion. Like, you know, half the country, three quarters of the country goes to church. Sure. So they could relate to it more than I ever thought. And it was like such a big barrier. I was even like, if you don't go to avoiding church, this? <laughs> even if you don't go to church, you know what, you know, what goes on or whatever. You know, yeah. It's not yeah, like yeah. Maybe totally to the whole Yeah, it's story. about present. Like, Delia does a funny bit about how they do the, where the priest goes, hum and ha, hum and they just start singing in the middle of the thing. 
And it's like, again, you don't have to be Christian to... I mean, he just does it in a funny way. But right. you know, you've seen it on TV, you've seen some some variation of that. So, you, you know. But yeah, I, I do that too. Sometimes I'll just look at an audience and then just, just automatically go, oh, this isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't think that's a good way to be. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's yeah, like, I mean, but look, but <laughs> yeah, there's some truth. Way to be. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good way to be in your head. Just go like, shit, I can't do this because, oh, it's a, let's say it's a, it's a, you know, Latino room or it's all, oh, it's all white people or it's all this, you know, like yeah. different clubs or whatever. There is some of that where you got to sit there and go, all right, this, like, I mean, it usually for me is, first of all, if you go to the crowd, it helps you land. Sure. But but sometimes if it's like, if I look out, I'm doing like a corporate event, they're oh, older sure. and they're just looking at me. I'm like, oh my God. Like, like knowing your audience is important, but I'm just saying yeah. like having bits that only work for things, yeah. too much of that I think is not cool. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I think that gets... I mean, there's a way, like it's funny, like you were talking about kid material. So mm-hmm. I do kid material, but what I'll do is like to bring to bring them in no matter what the audience is. Sometimes I'll sit there and I'll go... You know, guy. You know, you, you know. I know you guys. It's been a long night or whatever, and I don't mind waiting because I'll tell you why. I really appreciate you guys, and mm-hmm. I'll say because I have two young kids at home, and you guys give me an excuse to get away from them. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, they're like, I don't care what audience that is. They're with me. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I just started doing the other day at another like corporate event, and it worked. It was great, and and I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna start using this. Is like I'll be like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, who, how you guys doing in the front? Ah, and then how you guys doing in the back? Ah, and I go, you cheap bastards! You could have paid me up here. And that's it's a little hacky, but it's right, great. Right. Like everybody loves it because yeah, yeah. you know. So I that that's another way to land in the room, you yeah. know. So <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, just here been, by an improv doing that. Yeah, put time. your hands in the air, <laughs> yeah. wave them side to side, Mons. This is some DJ <laughs> shit. <laughs> like this is some MC. Are there what, are there parts of the are there parts of the country you guys tend to like to travel more than others? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he does well everywhere, and I just I, I I've been going um, along. For yeah, the what's ride. your favorite city that you've enjoyed? I like New York a lot. I mean, I like you know it's cool because like where um, you tend to perform is like metropolitan, cool yeah. like cities. You know, like uh, obviously, I mean, we did Kansas City that one time. That was that was even fun for me. Yeah, you know? I don't think I've ever done and Kansas City. It was actually cool, but it was like not a typical. You know, yeah, it was an eye opener. Kansas City. First of all, like my favorite cities are any cities where. They're in touch with kind of any international stuff. Uh-huh. So, not that the jokes all have to be there, but you feel like okay, this audience is is in tune. Like it, I did a show one time east of L.A. It's one of those bringer rooms that, like you know, like there's a lot of Latino rooms that yeah, they yeah. do, and I did it, and it was like during the Bush, like right as we were going to war with Iraq, right. And I was doing 15 minutes, and I started doing some joke about Bush and all that stuff. And that portion of the show, I lost them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I came back at the end and did whatever and got out. And then uh, Gilbert Esquivel, who was booking it, he's like, hey, man, he goes, like that was a little show. rough. He goes, if you would have done a joke about car chases, they would have been into it. Because right. like back then, there was a lot of car chases. <laughs> so you realize, okay, there's some, some people that are just not going to be in tune with international stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you go places like D.C. Oh, my God, I love it. Oh, yeah, sure. DC you know, um, uh, San Francisco, uh, New yeah, York. New York, like I'm t- saying, like these like metropolitan like metropolitan big city. places mm-hmm. i love that and it's a it's like a because then you tend to get a mix of an audience as well like you don't you get just a mix get, of yeah, an audience yeah like who lives in those cities it's yeah, like yeah. It's every every like race is represented every yeah. you know it's cool but then you run into like kansas city like you were saying and that was interesting because i had no draw there so the first show there was like they tried to promote it we had like 
50 people. Right. right. And then, like, second night, I think it was like Saturday, maybe it was the second or third night, Saturday, packed. And I think like, it's doing better and better, right? Well, I, I go, oh my God, I go, word got out and we're killing it. And then I look out and it's like, just like white dudes with trucker hats and yeah. just black people. And right. I was like, wow, there's no Middle Easterners. And, and then we started doing the show and they were laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then afterwards, I found out that they, they papered the room. You know, they, yeah, yeah. they, but, but people were like, dudes in trucker hats were coming up going, like, hey, I enjoyed your show, man. That's what I liked about that. That was, was great. That, was going there and knowing that, like, it's not just, you know what I mean? It's not, we're not just playing for our, our fucking people or whatever. Right, right. And like, that's all who likes it. Like, these guys, like, totally. And they would come up and go, yo, I didn't think it was going to be fun, but like, you know, I had a good time, like, you know. And that's where I sit there and I tell, like, that's where, like, that's where I get frustrated with networks who go, oh, we can't have a show with a, a Mexican lead or, a, or a, an Iranian lead or whatever yeah, yeah. because Middle America is not going to watch. And I think that they underestimate the intelligence of, of Middle America. I think as long as the show's funny people, and you promote it right, you're gonna, you're gonna they're gonna watch it. Yeah. So because you do a show like that and you do and and I didn't change my material for that audience. Right, right. But they were they were laughing and enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. That really boils down to what we're saying before: rateability and funny is funny. Funny yeah. is funny. That's yeah. It. So do you primarily perform in front of Middle Eastern audiences? <sighs> no, not no. I don't think it is anymore. I mean, I don't. I, didn't I don't think. think so. I think everyone. I I when I say like even when we're like going on the road somewhere, they're like, oh yeah, it's all like they just and, and a lot of people that will come and like either host or like open the show. For Maz, like, you know, when we're, if I'm middling and he's headlining, they're like, we'll have a note. And they just automatically think whoever it is, they're like, fuck, dude, okay, I got to just, all right, it's all Middle Eastern. It's like, no. And then they just do a lot of like Middle Eastern type of material. And the the crowd's just like, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. You know, and obviously it's, there's a mix of everybody. Yeah. I mean, what what happened for me was like, I started out at the comedy store, Laugh Factory, just doing stand up in front of comedy fans. Sure. And then eventually when Access Evil came out, then I think a lot of Middle Easterners discovered me. They started coming to the shows, and then that was a lot of the younger ones. Mm-hmm. And then um, they would bring like their like their parents and stuff as well. But you know, I've always had material where people like people see a few clips and they think, oh, his whole show is going to be an hour of stuff about Iran, and it's right. not. Yeah. And people see material now. Like I'll do a lot. I've traveled a lot, so I have material about different countries. And I think again, again, if you have like an open mind and you're kind of worldly, you enjoy it. So he's right. Like we'll do shows where I'd say. I don't know, like there's like 20% Iranian, mm-hmm. like 10% Arabs and others, and then there's another 70% of others. Or It's, it's a pretty wide range. And yeah. exactly what you said, I'll have people come host, like Omid was there doing a guest spot. And they'll start Omid speaking Singh. Farsi He started doing shit. Farsi. <laughs> They're like, hey, what the fuck? There's like a whole alienating, like, alienating like 70% of the audience or whatever yeah. it is, or 80. Yeah. Right, right. And the rest are just like, what's going on? But for some reason, you know, it's like a lot of people would, would still think that. I think what it is, people see like one or two clips and they think that's what you are. Sure. And yeah, they yeah. label I mean, you. The axis of evil thing has yeah. like really like been like, okay, this is all they're going to do for the rest of the career. And it's yeah. not true because... Yeah. You know, when you're doing like your NPR stuff and like mm-hmm. I, I was surprised to see like a lot of like older, like just white like people coming. Yeah. And like, man, we love you, you know, on the on on uh wait, wait, wait don't, don't tell, tell me, me yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's so all. that's kinda cool to see that. And it's you know, as a comic I would assume that like you, you would want like I like a broad audience. I like yeah, yeah. When, oh. I, when I do headline, I like to have a mix in the room because I know that's like what I've experienced. I grew up with a lot of different races, so that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I didn't grow up with just it wasn't just all white people. It wasn't all Mexicans. Mm-hmm. It was everybody. Yeah, and I like to include everybody. In I things. hate being hired for events from like one group, mm-hmm. yeah. and you show up and it's all from that group. Whether it's like all Persians or all Jews or all Muslims or all Arab, whatever it is, mm-hmm. all Egyptians. Yeah, yeah. I I hate that. And as a matter of fact, what I try to do is in those crowds. There's always one or two guys married in 
Right. Like, you know, white guy married him, black guy married (laughs) him. So I I go find that guy. Go to him. And I start talking to him right away. And it helps with a lot of the show. Because the whole time you're like, you know, Murray, how'd you end up with this? Oh, you you wanted a passport. You know, she wanted a passport, but whatever it is. But, um, it, I I love that. I just I I, th- I think it's better. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. Tell tell us a little bit uh, quick about about how Axis of Evil came about. Well, Axis of Evil was Mitzi Shore had booked us and and wanted to do. Mitzi Shore was watching uh, the news in the year two thousand, and there was an uprising between the Palestinians with the it was called the Intifada, an uprising of the Palestinians uh, against the Israelis, and she said she felt like there was going to be a need for a positive voice of Middle Easterners in the world. This is 2000, this before is September 11th. Ms. Mitzi. Good and for Mitzi her. used to do, well, she Mitzi used to, had her, her faculties together. Yeah, well, she used to do like, you know, Black Comedy Night, yeah, Latino yeah, yeah. Night. So she wanted to do Middle Eastern Night. So she came together called the Arabian Nights. Mm-hmm. Iranians aren't Arabs. So right off the bat, I said, listen, this is kind of a misnomer. Right, right. And as we did it, Iranians would come up, say, we enjoyed the show, but you know, we're not Arabs. So we kept talking about the name, and eventually, someone threw out the name Access to Evil, and we thought, oh, that's a cool name. And by the year 2005, me, Ahmed, and Aaron decided to take that and go to D.C., because mm-hmm. we'd been going to D.C. as the Arabian Nights and doing shows. We went to the D.C., and we booked our own theater. It was kind of a risk we were taking, because the sure. club, the improv, wouldn't give us a weekend. They said that even though we were killing, we were, we were packing out their weekdays. Right, and right. we said, give us a weekend. They're like, no, you guys aren't headliners. We're like, dude, we're selling out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Give us the freaking weekend. Yeah. And they just weren't. So we said, you know what? Let's get our own theater. We got Lisner Auditorium, 1,400 seats. Put up our own money. I, I was on a TV show. I had the money. I put it down. Mm-hmm. And we just took a risk. And what was crazy was the Middle Eastern audience was very last minute in buying tickets. So oh, we had really? a 1,400 seat theater. And on Monday, when the show was on a Friday, Monday we'd sold 700 tickets. Mm-hmm. So which is nice, but yeah. we're seven hundred short. Yeah, it's nice, but there's fourteen hundred. Yeah. yeah, and I was freaking out. And between Monday and Friday, it sold out. Oh really? Yeah, it was rock and roll. It was such a great feeling. We're awesome. like, we did it, and like we started getting attention. Like we mm-hmm. did that, and then we went to San Francisco and did it, and then our agents and managers in L.A. started going, "Who the hell are these guys?" Yeah, yeah. And that got us a showcase to get the DVD made, and and then it just went from there. Oh, that's great! That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So that was all done without manager agents involved. No manager. I was negotiating. Oh, you just did all the deals. Okay, that's. Cool. I would call. I'd be like, "Hey, just give us the theater. We share." It was me. I met an Aaron. We're the partners, so we'd share in whatever we made, and um, we just call different people in the community and see if we can get press. Oh, cool! And that's it was really very grassroots. It was I mean, very grassroots. That's good to know because a lot of people, I think, in in the stand-up game, like wait for shit to come. Like they think people are just going to come to them. It's, it's like, dude, do your own. Do your own. Create thing. your own thing. Create your own. You know. Um, and if you can find a way to do it grassroots, I mean, back then it was like we started contacting every student group mm-hmm. that we thought would be interested in our show, you know, in every town. We were at the, MySpace was still around. You'd right, hit right. MySpace and add people within a 60 mile radius of wherever you're going. Oh, yeah. Um, Dude, they don't have that feature on Facebook. It's I know, they bullshit. don't. <laughs> yeah. That's such a good feature, but yeah. I mean, you'd just be inundated with yeah. it. <laughs> hey, I'm coming to your town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great! And then you kind of just kind of went your separate ways, or yeah. So we did that for we did that for a couple. We'd been touring since like two thousand yeah. on and off as the Arabian Nights, then as Axis Evil, and then there was always some conflict. It's like a band. There's always some oh, fighting, sure. and it just got it. It really got like it. It got old after a while, and I was I always felt like I was I was I was kind of the Kofi Annan of, of the of the group, and and uh, two thousand seven when we were, when we were in uh, the Middle East. There was moments of tension. There was moments of love, mm-hmm. and then it ended with moments of tension. Yeah, and then we tried to keep it going. And actually, it was interesting because the timing of it was pretty right on. Because that's right around when Bush was coming out of the office. So mm-hmm. the term "axis evil" was kind of losing its its uh, um, allure. Sure. 
And I also, I think we all, there was enough conflict where it was just like too much to keep it going. Uh And I also felt like, you know what, I'd like to start going out on my own and seeing what I can do. So I started in, um, by 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 the end of, so by the end of 2007, we stopped. By the end of 2008, I shot my solo special, and I called it Brown and Friendly. And by 2009, I started touring solo. And then I've been going since then. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what's next for you, Amir? Next for me, I'm going to go home, probably whack off, and then... Uh, <laughs> oh, immediate? Uh-huh. Immediate? Uh, I don't know, man. I, we have that show on MTV, a couple of the guys on there. Um, we call Jerks with Cameras. I don't know what's Who going on. Who was it? What are the comics? Um, Grant, is Grant on it's there? It's actually really cool. Yeah, Grant, Grant Cotter's Cotter. on there. Good buddy of mine. Yeah, Jeff Keith. Uh, okay. Good friend, too. Tone Bell is a comic. Oh, Tone's on there? Great. Justin Hires as well. So it's like a bunch of comics. And then there's obviously other other funny... Um, yeah, have yeah, you guys thought of doing here. a tour? Yeah, that's what that's what I was just uh, about to say. Like, we were, we're thinking of, um, you know, since the show's on now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we're thinking of maybe getting like a little um, jerks with cameras like tour going or something like that, you know, because there's a lot of good comics that yeah, we can put on awesome. the show, and then I think it'd be a fun show for the younger younger audiences. For you know? sure, man. I've, it reminds me, I got a tone. I've, I've had to re, tones had to reschedule like five times. Oh yeah, he's great. Out. He's doing a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah, I funny love, as hell, he's man. Funny as hell. I gotta get him on the show. He's a great actor, and uh, he's doing. I think he just booked another pilot or something. Awesome. And uh, he's doing a lot of work. Great. And what, what, uh, website? Or you primarily just use Facebook, I you? do. I use Facebook, but amircomedy.com. Or you can find me at Amir Comedy on, on Twitter, Twitter and, uh, and Instagram. And yeah, it's at Amir Comedy. And, uh, or just Google Amir K, and then you can find my Facebook that way. Okay, cool. And then where can we find you, Mr.? At Maz Jobrani, M-A-Z-J-O-B-R-A-N-I, or facebook.com slash Maz Jobrani. Awesome. Those work. Guys, uh, I really appreciate you coming uh, across town and doing this. I know thanks for having us. Thanks very for having us. Um, I like watching both of you when uh, <laughs> when uh, we're at the clubs together. So uh, I really, I really appreciate you guys coming out and doing this. And stop heckling Amir during his show. You're the man. <laughs> I like stop to make him yell. Uh-huh. I like to make him yell at me. Uh-huh. That's, That's like him the whole time. <laughs> uh, uh, guys, thanks for uh, listening. I'm coming to. Uh, well, this is coming out. I'll be in Chicago this weekend, so I know a few listeners are coming out. So uh, look, don't forget to stop by and say hi. And uh, check out uh, T-shirts at estoymerchandising.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening, and thank you guys for coming out. Thanks, thanks Murray. Bud. You want to know about life on the road? It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great at bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle ice doing blow, more missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone, one big law and order marathon.